Hello fellow homebrewers, JP here, and I want to introduce to you the brand new Brewbuilt X1 Conical Series available at More Beer. More Beer sells the highest standard in homebrewing equipment, and the Brewbuilt Conicals are just that. They're made from mere polished 304 stainless steel, and they come with loads of features that you and I have been looking for. They have a full 2-inch bottom dump valve, which will eliminate your clogging issues, while the sturdy base includes four reinforced legs, just like those big pro tanks do. More Beer also carries the Brewbuilt line of options and add like casters, pressure kits, and even external glycol chillers. So you can find out more about the new Brewbuilt X1 Conical Uni Tanks by going over to morebeer.com for detailed videos on the entire line of Brewbuilt Conicals. You can trust Brewbuilt with your next fermentation, and you can trust More Beer to find the right conical for you. Brewbuilt at morebeer.com. Beer is about drinkability. Doesn't matter oh, yeah. the style. You guys are like walking beer Wikipedia. That's the first time that you've ever accepted me as a person. Or you have a fermentation in your gut. Yeah. I'm jet propelled at all times. <laughs> How many guys do you think that you have the privilege to slap? Somebody who's never tasted a commercial example, and this is how you know everything about this beer? Please, you don't. I think it's bullshit. (laughs) I think it's bullshit, too. Wow. Are you guys going to arm wrestle? No. No. We're going to teabag fight. You heard of Junkyard Wars? Can I get another high five, Beavis? (laughs) Now, live from the Brewing Network Studios in Northern California, this is the radio program for home brewers. Craft brewers, beer lovers, and beer geeks. It's your only source for live beer radio that brings expert brewers together with, well, expert drinkers. This is the radio program with a head on it. This is The Session. Welcome, everyone, to The Session. We're back here talking craft beer, talking L.A. craft beer specifically, and we are on with the boys from Paperback Brewing Company. We have Chris and Zambo. Welcome to the show, boys. How's it going? Thanks for having us. Not too bad. Yeah, thanks for coming on. Just to get right to it, Zambo, uh, we've talked to you a a while ago. You used to brew at the 21st Amendment, our good friend Sean O'Sullivan. That's right. So I was really excited uh, when I saw your name on the sheet come through. I was like, all right, cool. I like having... Repeat guests that kind of wander around a little bit. I like it. It's fun. And I can't wait to, uh, to talk to you a little bit about uh, what you've been up to and how you landed here and the beers you're pumping out now. All right. Yeah, I think it'll be fun. Before we do that, though, I want to thank our sponsor, More Beer. If you guys are looking to upgrade your, your homebrewing lifestyle or your coffee roasting lifestyle or, I don't know, any lifestyle you can do at home, I suppose, uh, morebeer.com is the place to go. They have absolutely everything for you to make great beer at home. Just hit, hit them up, and uh, they have all sorts of equipment and recipes and ingredients and knowledge and know-how, which I think are two under, uh, underrated things in the homebrew industry these days. Uh, More beer. I think they just celebrated like their 25th anniversary, or maybe it was the 20th. But, uh, yeah, they've been around since 95, so they know what they're doing, and uh, they can help you know what you're doing too, which is sort of funny how that works. So check them out, morebeer.com. They bring you this and every session. Uh, all right, Chris, let's start with you, man. So you sure. are one of the founders of Paperback. Is that correct? Yeah, I'm one of the three founders. All right, tell me how that happened. Were you homebrewing and just farting uh, around? Yeah, so um, I was homebrewing at the time. Um, you know, I was in my mid-30s. I had a beard, so I, I decided to homebrew. You have to. And um, <laughs> I was 
I met my business partner through an inter-office email exchange. So um, I was I was selling okay. one of my fridges because I was moving to a new apartment that had um, a fridge already there. So I was selling it and I, I took some pictures of the fridge and I sent it on this. Um, we had this uh, email blast thing where you could, you know, sell, you know, a broken dollhouse or, you know, raise money for, you know, cats or whatever. Yeah. And I sent that out to my um, company and my partner responded and was like, hey, what's going on in the bottom drawer there? And I had all these whole hops, you know, I'm like, well, I'm a, I'm a home brewer. Okay. And um so we, um, you know, we started chatting about it. I gave him some recommendations on beers that I liked. He came down and I gave him one of my beers, um, which was probably horrible at the time. I had been doing it for two months with extracts. I oh, jammed God. probably about six ounces of Citra hops into a five-gallon carboy for dry hopping. And, um, <laughs> you know, it just had this, like, beautiful Citra bouquet. Uh-huh. And he he still talks to it about it this day. He's, he's like, that was one of the best-smelling beers I've ever had. I'm like, dude, it was probably garbage. You know? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's a lot of ounces uh, I'm of I'm sure hops, there was tons of, tons of errors in that beer. Sure. Um, so um, with that, um, you know, we just started to brew together. And I was like, Hey, why don't nice. you come over to my place? And, you know, I'm doing extracts or whatever. And then a friendship kind of kindled and we were, um, you know, going out after work, going to different like beer centric brew pubs and, and trying different uh, types of beers. And, and we talked about like, wouldn't it be cool if uh, we could start a brewery? And, um, you know, after a few months of doing extracts, we just knew that we had to do something different. And I came to him and I said, you know, I've been thinking about it. Are you willing to, you know, invest, you know, X amount of dollars into, into really doing this? And this was in 2012, okay. 2012, 2013. Right. And um, he's like, yeah, I'm in. And, you know, to, to be honest with you, I, I didn't even really know this guy. And <laughs> I mean, I'd known him for four months. But um, Brewing- I had this really just good feeling about this person that, you know, I had tried doing things in the past with other people and it just didn't work out. And I just had this feeling like we're going to own a brewery one day. Yeah. And um, we took his garage and we gutted it and um, down to the studs and we put up drywall. We put up ventilation. We bought a brew magic um, rim system. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, sure. And uh, bought, you know, a couple fridges off of Craigslist, a couple conical fermenters, like 15 gallons. And for the next five yeah. years, we brewed every Saturday now, just is to th- get, you know, to, to try to brew something as commercially like on that level as a commercial beer as possible. So you went and, you went from extract to gutting this man's garage. Yeah, it's pretty drastic. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> we both worked in advertising, and and we had to get out of it. We were um, we worked for like you know Hollywood, and it was just we were both not happy, and we're like, what are you know what are two dudes in the middle thirties going to do? Like to, we we weren't going to start over, so we just started doing something that we we were both very very passionate about it. Yeah, the Hollywood advertising machine, huh? Yeah, it's yeah. um, it's it's. Uh, I've always said it. Uh, the entertainment industry punches you in the face, and you say thank you. <laughs> yeah, it's like a swimming with sharks. The classic, uh, you know, yeah. <laughs> the guy yeah, just gets exactly. mauled and loves it. Yeah, you know, I have a couple friends in advertising, and they absolutely hate it. Actually, one of them I think got out. They're just, it's like, it's just not a. You have to be bred for that. I think. Yeah, I think you have to. You know, the thing, the thing with me, and as a creative director of the company, you know, I mean. You know, I was a creative director and um, like a vice president of an ad agency, 
And, you know, I'd, I'd work on like the Batman movie and somebody would be like, oh, my God, I can't believe you're working on Batman. I'd be like, eh. you know, I mean, Christopher <laughs> Nolan isn't saying, oh, dude, sky's the limit. Just go after it. You know, just do whatever you want. We're open. I mean, it's very, very, uh, you know, very, very strict. And, and they are they already have a plan in place. So you're really just a production machine. And, you know, starting you know, paperback and being able to really do what we want to do and kind of make, create our own message and, and have fun with it. It's been really like creatively liberating. So I can imagine, I mean, especially because, you know, as a creative, you, you have ideas and you, you think they would be really great. And you're, you're, I imagine you're constantly pitching, man, this is, this would be great. This is how it should go. This is how it should look. And everyone else is like, no, nope, we got to do it because of numbers or because of, uh, yeah. you know, focus groups or whatever. Yep. The beard isn't really like that. You can sort of ride the vibe. Right. And go, okay, well, this just didn't work because we didn't get as many likes or something, I guess. I don't know. Whatever. Who cares? The beer's gone. Let's do something else now. Yeah, and that's the thing. You know, at Paperback, we had um, we put out over 40 beers. We had 40 labels in our first year um, wow. during the pandemic. And, um, you know, we, we obviously have an in-house art team. Me. Sure. And uh, <laughs> yeah. so it was very easy. And, and I, you know, it's, it's nice when you can... Um, you know, create something and, it, and it's not so precious. I mean, you know, everything that Zambo do, does is, is liquid art. And, and we just want the label to represent what he creates, you mm-hmm. know, and, 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 um, you know, it, it's nice, you know, we've brewed beers that we did 30 barrels of, and then we never touched it again for whatever reason, whether it's not the time or we weren't happy with it, um, you know, t- to the extent that we wanted to try something different. Um, so it, it's been nice that, you really don't have anybody breathing down your neck telling you that you need to do this or you need to do that. It's just, again, it's just extremely liberating. I imagine it's, it's also different because you're not trying to re up that same image in like an advertising cycle. And I don't pretend to know how advertising works for the most part. I mean, I get the general amount of it, but you know, there's, it can, it can live in its space and that's it. And it can live in people's minds when they had that beer. Hey, mm-hmm. that beer was really great. And you can tick up, yep. tick a box off on an app or whatever, and then remember it. But for the most yep. part, it's sort of, it's meant to go away. Mm-hmm. I wonder if that's even a little bit more impactful for people. Yeah. And I think there's like, um, you know, I definitely see with our beer, there's um, people who want to collect the labels and there's like, you know, if, if it's going away, they want to make sure that they grab it, you know, or we'll do a limited edition t-shirt where we put the art on it. And um, we've done a couple labels with Zambo's face. Those do very well. Um, <laughs> well, of course. I mean, yeah. I mean, look at that. So, guy. you know, yeah, I think there's definitely, it, it lends itself more into a cult uh, uh, following. Yeah. Whereas, you know, with advertising, you know, there, there's, you know, Warner brothers or whatever studio puts a lot of money into making sure that they have a, um, a, a plan for their, their, their campaigns. And, you know, they put a lot of money into that one movie poster that you're going to see, mm-hmm. you know? So it's really like, Oh, how can we reiterate this? You know, where, you know, I'm doing stuff now we did for black Friday, you know, again, I, I date myself on some of the references, but you know, um, we did like a black flag poster, you know, but that, for yeah. black Friday or, yeah. um, I did a twin peaks thing where, you know, a lot of our, uh, servers who are a little bit younger than me, um, didn't really get the reference, but you know, <laughs> isn't that what, the worst? It is, we, we, we have a lot of fun with it. Yeah. Where you're just like, Oh man, I love this classic like cult thing that's got a resurgence, which in my opinion, wasn't as good as the original, but anyway. Yeah, yeah. And then other people are like the red room. I don't get it. Yeah. yeah. What's a log. Like, why movie? is this? 
yeah, who's this guy in the red suit dancing? I'm like, don't worry about it. Yeah, it's good. For me, it's delicious. Yeah, for me, a log lady is something completely different. I just, you yeah. know, it's not yeah. even a thing. <laughs> um, so anyway, back. So you got this man's garage. You guys dump a bunch of money into all grain system. Had you done all yep. grain before or was it just no. extract? And literally now we're in a rim system and we're just flying blind. Yeah, it was um, it was all um, it was all extract. And then we went into the rim system and, you know, geez, 20 13 now um so i think that the stuff it, we were built out by um uh probably about may of 2013 okay. and you know there wasn't a lot of text on the internet about this stuff you know like we had a we had a horrible time i, I mean i always tell people who are starting homebrewing now it's like i'll sit down with you and tell you what we did wrong in, in one hour and you'll you'll learn a ton and you know we were we didn't know about oxidation for a year and a half and how to control it. You know, we were, we were pumping, you know, beer from the fermenter into the kegs with like oxygen. I mean, we, we just didn't know what we were doing, you yeah. know, and uh, it was a lot of reading. And um, once it started to pick up, we kind of understood about, I was really into water chemistry. I was always into like oh. the science of everything. So, okay. um, you know, we, we, we started, you know, creating our own water profiles, which we do at paperback um, and uh, using hundred percent RO water. Um, we went to UC Davis and did a certification class. We went to white labs and did all that stuff. So we, we definitely put a lot of time into, you know, um, into brewing and understanding the, the craft of it. You know, we always wanted, and I, I, w- I would hope Zambo would agree. We just didn't want to, we knew we would eventually hire a, a brew master. Yep. We just wanted to be able to talk to him intelligently and not have him think that we're stupid or an idiot or something <laughs> like what, what are these, what are these two owners asking me to do? You know? Right. Yeah. I think that's cool. Uh, when you, when you got the rim system and you're doing all these classes, it was with the intent of opening a brewery eventually yes. one day. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, we didn't know when or how we were going to do it. Um, so from from there, we you know I think around 2017, one of our partners who I used to work for, um, we were out in Vegas and we were talking. Um, we were on a business trip, and I said, you know, look at this is what we've been doing and everything. And he was a big beer fan, and um, we came back to them and did like a eight hour presentation. We put a whole like business plan wow. together. We did a whole like projections of where we, we saw the company going. Um, I had mocked up a lot of the artwork and stuff like what, what paperback was going to be. We had already trademarked the name. Um, so we had a pretty cohesive plan put into place. And then we, you know, some of the beers were still battling with oxidation. We could just never really get that oxidation on a, like a home brewers level, like mm-hmm. out you know? Yeah. And it's, uh, it's hard, man. We, yeah. We, yeah. we, we scheduled the meeting. So we had all these beers that were just ready and we just like went morning, bottled them and then brought them. So they were all fresh Smart. and you know, they tried them and they were like, these are great, you know, and like, we want to do this. And then it was three and a half years of getting all that stuff together and finding <laughs> the location. Yeah. What kind of beers did you bring? Like what styles do you remember? Uh, yeah, we bought a, um, a cream, uh, a cream ale. We okay. brought a uh, right. stout. We brought a, like a hoppy pale ale mm-hmm. and we brought an IPA and a hazy. Okay. That's a pretty so, good, uh, pretty good lineup. I think. Yeah. It's just, yeah. it happened to work out great. So what kind of styles were you brewing when you guys were homebrewing? Would you have like a, a couple key ones that you really gravitated to, or was it, it was, just like everybody were like, we're going to work through the BJCP guidelines from one a to whatever the hell's at the bottom. It was, it was really focused on, um, it was focused on IPAs and hazies. Okay. Like 
everything was just exp- like just trying to figure out how to get that hazy the haziest we could like we were trying all different types of things and um and then exploring you know we would get a recipe for a you know a red or whatever those always turned out fine but it was always the the, the ipas and, and and working with those different hops and um you know and then the hazies and, and the water profiles that were just always it was just the thorn in our side it was something that we loved to drink <laughs> a lot the, I, the west coast ipas were big fans of those and sure. you'll see at paperback we have a lot of west coast ipas yeah. um but it was just that thorn in our side that we just had to perfect it and it was it, it was it was time consuming <laughs> did you ever do it on the homebrew level um yeah, I think once we kind of started building up the build, building, uh, Brandon and I kind of stopped. <laughs> okay. Once we knew we were getting a Zambo, we were kind of <laughs> like, you know what? Um, this guy's got it from here, you know? So I, I think we, we had a couple good ones. Um, you know, right. we, we leave it to Zambo now. Like that, that was the thing when we always say with, you know, Zambo is, you know, Brandon and I have brewer's knowledge. He has practical brewer's knowledge. Like he, he has so much experience. He just knows where I, I don't, you know, I know what hops I like personally and how to, you know, put them together. But Zambo just knows like, dude, I've been doing this for 20 years. And if you mix this and this, it's going to taste like crap. You yeah, know, he's got street smarts. Zambo, you got yeah, street smarts. Street smarts. Oh, yeah. cool. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, man. I mean, uh, you know, even Walt Disney was like, look, I can't draw for shit. I'm going to hire people who do it better than me. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and you know, I mean, Brandon and I, we, we did discuss being the brewers at a, at a point and we would, yeah. we don't have enough time just doing the day to day. Now I, I can't imagine being a brewer too. No, hell no, no, you got to yeah. step away. So you pick a location. Where did you get, where did you end up? Uh, Glendale. Glendale. So okay. that nice. was, um, we had a, so now we were looking for a spot. We had a realtor. He came to us. He had found an old Quonset hut that was brought up from long beach in 1949. It was, it was currently a machine shop. Are those, those like, hot, lit, like rounded metal yeah, structures? Like an airplane hanger. Yep. Okay. All right. Um, it's about 6,000, a little less than 6,000 square feet. And, um, we just fell in love with it. It was amazing. Yeah. And like, we're like, what an interesting place to put a brewery. And it kind of felt, you know, our, we knew our style for paperback was going to be a little bit mid century and mm-hmm. kind of, um, you know, your, your, your cool uncle's basement type of vibe, <laughs> yeah. you know, and we not creepy would, uncle, cool uncle. N- yeah. No, yes, not, not creepy. Yeah. You know, yeah. the, the uncle that listens to Led Zeppelin and, you know, and black has flag and, machine and, there. Yeah, not, right. not, nothing weird. Yeah. Um, but, uh, we, we, we just fell in love with this space and it was perfect. There was, you know, there was, it was walkable and there was, you know, apartment buildings going up around the corner and it was in a great part of town. And, um, nice. um, it was really the, the city of Glendale, um, was very instrumental in, in making that happen. Um, they, they actually found the building, gave it to our realtor. I met with the economic, uh, development program and they pretty much assured wink, wink, that it was going to be cleared for a CUP. And okay. I was very concerned about that, you know, and, um, you know, we went through the process and they were very accommodating. They, they really wanted a brewery in that area. They, they really want to, wow. um, you know, get that area. Like, um, just it's about two miles away from like the Americana, which is kind of like a big, um, shopping plaza type of thing. Okay. And, um, you know, they just wanted to bring some kind of cool stuff to Glendale. So it worked out really well. Excellent. What's the story behind the paperback name? So uh, my partner and I, Brandon, had, had a bunch of different names. And I knew that um, I was the guy that was going to have to design on the labels and do the artwork and everything. So I really needed something that was like had a creative vehicle behind it that could kind of really drive um, or a vehicle behind it that could drive the creativity. Yeah. 
So, I mean, we, we battled with a bunch of different stuff at, at first we were, um, uh, we had a, a name that you couldn't even pronounce. So that didn't last very long. Um, <laughs> what was it? We, we had a, uh, we had a, then we were, did, um, the outsiders, which we thought was kind of cool, um, because we were kind of outside of the industry. Okay. Um, but that got turned down by copyright because there was an outsider, um, the tr- trademark came back, uh, denied oh. us on that. Cause there was an outsider for like cider, you know, cider. Hard cider. Okay. I mean, which um, makes sense, but maybe a little too on the nose. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, but, uh, yeah. So, um, kind of came up, we had, a, we had a list about a hundred names and I came up with paperback on a vacation and I was like, Oh, I could just kind of really paperback book covers could really be anything, you know? Yeah. And that could be really cool. And, and I started refining it a little bit and I, I wasn't really too into it, but Brandon kept saying like, you know, I just, I kind of dig it, man. Like, I think it'd be really cool, you know? So it stuck and we just kind of went with it. Yeah. It is very like, um, I don't say nondescript, but it, it is almost like a, a, a package. It, it can be anything and you can sort of go anywhere with the label art. And right. I do really, <laughs> the, the first thing I was pulling out the cans of the box and uh, the label art just struck me immediately. I was like, wow, mm. this is like, it, there's a lot of personality in your label art, and it, if if I'm getting the terminology right, it's sort of like uh, like the pulp, um, you know, yeah. uh, paperback covers and all that kind of funky stuff. Yeah, it's part yeah. of the in uh, you know the inspiration of you know paperback are those those pulp cover you know the pulp book covers, and it was kind of like a, a untamed and wild time when those books were coming out. And, you know, I mean, obviously we're a little bit more PC with some of our stuff, but we definitely try to be somewhat unapologetic and push the, push the envelope a little bit. Well, I, um, I'm thirsty. I'm going to open this beer. And the first beer I'm going to open was the first beer I pour, I, I pulled out of the box and instantly I was like, I think I, I think I love these people. It's called <laughs> checks who wear leather. Yeah. And there's here, here's the can for everyone watching. <laughs> And it's just like a lot of leather, leather got people in leather suits and gimps, yeah. I guess, if you will. Yep. And uh, I was like, I the the sort of balls it takes to to put this on a label and be like, yeah, this is my beer. What do you think? That was a crazy photo shoot day, man. We all. Had <laughs> well, I don't know how you got that red. Uh, oh, it, it still fits. The red, yeah, yeah. <laughs> the pandemic hasn't cost you your uh, your vinyl suit uh, or your leather suit uh, form, and I appreciate that for you. He, we- he wears it well. He, wears it well. <laughs> he really does. All in the pecs. Yeah, that's right. You got to carry it well, man. Yeah, yeah there's, it's, uh, uh, there's no safe word when it comes to Pilsner. <laughs> it should just be Zambo. Yeah, look at that guy has nipple clamps for God's sake. How do you what what's what's wrong with you guys over there? <laughs> um, no, how do you come with checks who wear leather? I mean, it is it is a a, a bold. Move, I think, like you said, it's a little bit more of a PC time, especially back from like the forties. But you know, uh, have you gotten any pushback from this, or anybody was like, "Wow, that's a little," I don't know, guys, this is a little weird. Or do people no, just I, love? I mean, it? Um, you know, I think with you know, I think people get it. Um, I, I've heard like a lot of people are like, "Oh, okay, I see how the collective of paperback works." Like when you see all the labels, it's kind of like a comedian, you know, when they, they they tell some stuff on stage, and it's like. Oh, that's part of the shtick. That's not who they are. Like it's, it's all very cohesive when it's together, you know? And um, I think there is a, you know, people want, again, I don't think anything that we do is mean spirited. It's, it's just kind of fun and stupid and silly. You know, that's, (laughs) that's what we want to do is we're either making some sort of social commentary. We had one um, called everyday zombies 
where it's like people as zombies on their cell phone walking through the streets of Los Angeles. And, oh, yeah. um, you know, we, we do all kinds of different types of uh, stuff, but a lot of it's just using, you know, cultural like references. Um, you know, we classify our artwork more as pop art mm-hmm. than like kind of pulp art because okay. we're typically making commentary on, you know, cultural and um, society norms. With that sort of mid mod pulpy vibe to it. Yeah. With, yeah. With, 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 yeah. Which is, it's great. I mean, I think you guys are right. You, there, there's definitely a lot you can do clearly. I mean, you've taken, you've taken that style, put it towards modern commentary and, and it, it works clearly. Mm-hmm. I think that's neat. You know, there's yeah, nothing, yes, thank you. <laughs> there's nothing like a, an idea that just doesn't work. Like after the fifth labor, like, I can't, I don't know. I'm, I'm stuck. <laughs> I can't do anything else anymore. You know what I mean? Yeah. So, okay. So you got the space Glendale helped you out. That's really great to hear. Uh, I like it when, when cities are active in, in bringing breweries in and, and don't hold them back far too many times. We've heard the opposite of that where it's right. just like 18 months of the city going, yeah, I don't know. When was this? What year was this? Uh, we got the building in 2017, we started plan uh then we were you know designing and doing some other stuff with the building and um plan check started um 2018 like late like right before 19 so december of 18 i believe and then it was a year and a half we hired zambo in 2019 of december right zambo or oh correct? perfect all right excellent just so, the time to start um, a new job yeah, my yeah. first uh, walk through the door, uh, they weren't there. Someone had left it unlocked. <laughs> and, uh, Sounds about right. Yeah, there was still an awful lot of uh, dirt ground inside. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> they left it for you. There, here's yeah. instructions on how to use the uh, cement mixer. And Well, that was an interview. I hadn't even been hired yet. So this is uh, my first impression. I see. But they were, there was brand new stainless steel there. But, I mean, is is that sort of – I feel like that's sort of not, not uh, uh, you know – not untypical because I don't think that's a word, but you know, I don't, I don't think it's sort of like out of the, the norm for, for no, startup breweries. The floors are what always a big surprise for new people. Uh, you know, this is city requirements and all that kind of stuff, but you almost always have to redo the floor in places that don't, uh, you know, like the older places that got grandfathered in, you know, if you work there because the water doesn't flow towards the drain, it pools up in the corners. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh man. So you got you got in there December. We all know what happened in in March. Um, the lockdown. How does that? How did how did that just thoroughly screw your plans? Um, it made us re- reinvent ourselves. Really, we, we we call it the pandemic pivot. Where you know we had we thought we were going to be a tasting room and have you know we'd eventually get into canning mm-hmm. and. Um, you know, those labels weren't even really an idea yet. We had, we had one beer that we, we had um, that we canned uh, an IPA. And then we had four other beers that we were pouring as growlers. And at that time we had kind of went through the place and, you know, we did all the eight feet apart and the the face shields and all that kind of stuff. And then we had sent out a direct mail thing like, Hey, welcome to the, we're in the neighborhood, like come visit us for $2 off a draft or whatever. And then we just got a uh, it was on the news, like everything shutting down. Oh, right so after those, we were out. able to. Damn, we were able to sell from our door. You know, we opened mm-hmm. the door and just had a little table there and sell beer to go. And we had a nice reception of friends and stuff and people supporting. Um, but after that, it was just pouring crowlers, and that was getting very exhausting. So yeah. we just decided to keg everything. I mean, uh, can everything. Was, stuff is still in um, fermenters in bright tanks. 
So wow. we, um, we canned everything and then we just realized that, you know, we, we have this ability to kind of create a ton of labels and just Zambo's, you know, great beer making had all these recipes and we just started to churn out recipes and just d- do different styles and different types of IPAs and experimental stuff and um, just canned it and then sold it, you know, and we just spent all of our resources now just focusing on wholesale and, and really the, 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 the to-go business aspect of it, the, the retail aspect was, was very secondary. Yeah. And, you know, I, I feel like the, the modern craft beer drinker wants to take those boxes. They want to go, what else is new? What else is new? But when the pandemic hit and breweries were like, Hey, we really need your support. I think that was maybe kicked into overdrive a little bit. Yeah. And I sort of feel, cause a lot of breweries who, who had to go through this that we've talked to were very much like we actually had a sort of an uptick Mm-hmm. Because people were very much supportive and we were doing so much that it brought people, you know, uh, to our doors more often than they would have normally. Yeah. And there's like a lot that? of, there was a lot of drinking at home going on too, yeah. you know, in, in Southern California. And, and a lot of people were looking for, you know, craft beer that was fresh and, you know, we weren't brewing, you know, we were doing anywhere from 15 to 30 barrels. So, you know, um, maybe, you know, 200 cases here or whatever, and just kind of shooting it out the door, you know? So it was all fresh. It was all different. Well, sounds great. Sounds still great. Is, Chris. <laughs> What's that? It still is. Yeah. <laughs> it was great, it's all but fresh and different. Yeah. I don't know, man. Now it's just the same shit. Uh, what size system did you guys open with? We have a 15 barrel brew house, uh, six 30 barrel tanks, and uh, six 60 barrel tanks. Man, that I don't know. That's ambitious. I feel like. I mean, you guys went from extract to a rim system to a 15 barrel like i don't know i guess maybe not i don't know zambo is that my uh my stats for what breweries usually open with are like stuck in the seven barrel realm like anything over seven barrels I'm like wow that's amazing but 15 is 15 the norm 10 15 sort of now what people are doing you know it's never enough <laughs> <laughs> okay well, right, know, yeah, there'll, all right there'll be surges where you know you need a lot more beer and then there'll be something so experimental. You're like, man, I wish I could just make two barrels of this. And that's why we still have the room system over at the brewery. We also have a little fermenter we call rogue one that uh, holds one barrel, which we filled today with an experimental uh, holiday beer that maybe Chris will talk about in a little while. If you coax them to enough. Okay. Well, we can try that. (laughs) Yes. uh, Two of those sixties actually came a few months ago. um, So we did not have all that when we first opened. Uh, it was just a factor of we need to make more and uh, get it out there because, you know, people want it. And you're already expanding. That's great. That's cool, man. I'm drinking this Czech pills. Now they have to figure out where to put it all because, uh, you know, the stores take deliveries at different days and there's only so much we can put in the taste where people can't get to the bathroom. (laughs) (laughs) Sorry, you can't, uh, you can't, uh, can't go to the bathroom. You have beer in the way. You got to drink your way to the bathroom. Uh, That's right. Uh, well, I'm drinking this Czech Pills. Can you tell me a little bit about this? This is a, it's a very hoppy, aggressive uh, Czech-style Pilsner. I love it. Yes. It tastes um, great. The more typical uh, or traditional hopping would be the Saz hop uh, from uh, the Czech Republic, S-A-A-Z. It's actually pronounced Zots, but nobody knows that but us. That hop was grown in New Zealand under a name Mochuka. Well, we're told that's what it's pronounced by a Kiwi. But it's spelled Motueka, so probably most of us are still calling it that. Motueka, yeah, for sure. uh, Saz derivative that was grown on New Zealand soil. So that's just another way of experimenting this beautiful floral aroma hop uh, in that Bohemian Pilsner 
Um, it just showcases it. it. It's so easy to enjoy and has a beautiful aroma. So uh, yeah, we're pretty happy with that one. Uh, that was our first lager, I believe. Uh, you know, we did a, a Kolsch that we still do uh, on a seasonal basis, but uh, yeah, I believe that was our first lager and we've done a, a few since then. Lagers, I mean, you know, aren't as common in startup breweries because they take up your tank space longer. So I know, but I hit capacity. You have to make trade-offs if you're going to put a logger in there. I wish they were, man. I really, I really do. <laughs> and the loggers are just so awesome. But yeah, I mean, you know that that hop is cool, and I never really thought about using well the the traditional derivatives in a beer like that. Sure. So you can sort of get some of that earthiness, but it really works well with the uh, um, you know the 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 phenols from the from the yeast, and then you do sort of have that. I don't know. Would you classify Motuik as like a, a tropical or is it more like i can't really uh, there's tell. a there's a lightly fruity note to it uh and some of that is the the sweetness of bohemian pilsner malt as well helps accentuate that um but i think uh a lot of it is just the adventure of trying something that sounds like a very foreign name uh if they had called it new zealand saws we probably would not have bought it uh because <laughs> i mean who was i mean honestly when they first started growing hops down there they grew a lot of American varietals. I remember, uh, do you want New Zealand Centennial? I'm like, what, for twice the price of ours? N- no, <laughs> I don't want that. I like our Centennial. It's great. Uh, so they were wise to recognize that growing in different soil is going to modify it a little bit. And they branded it themselves. And we got to bring that adventurous spirit back and put it into our beer. So uh, I was glad that we've managed to source some because when we opened it was a lot more expensive uh oh. it's come down a bit but it's still not a cheap hop so sure, uh, sure. I'm, I'm lucky to work for guys uh that don't ask me to pinch pennies when it comes to recipes because um that's why we get so much creative freedom and come up with these cool uh creations you know yeah no it, it tastes great man it tastes great and at 4.9 it does not uh or is it 4.8 I have my lighting so low to it's look cool. No, it's 4.9. Okay. Yeah, yeah, it really is, man. These are, these are the most important things. Um, yeah, it tastes good. And it is a very firm bitterness. It, it's, uh, yeah, I like it. That's a good, that's a good lager, dude. I would drink that all day. Thank you. Yeah. It's supposed to be a Pilsner. You know, it's not like a, an American light lager, which they sometimes call Pilsners as well. This is supposed to be like a, a traditional Bohemian Pilsner where it pops out a little more. I think the most common ones you'll see most breweries making are the German Pilsner mm-hmm. uh, when, when they do a craft Pilsner. And um, it, this is a little bit more complex. Uh, German Pilsners can start to taste the same after a while because you usually yeah. only use one of maybe two different hops and um, they don't accentuate malt flavor as much. So uh, I, I was excited that they didn't ask me to do a German Pils. They said, let's do a Bohemian. I'm like, Great. <laughs> Why not? Is that the we benefit? The checks who wear leather labels, so we needed something. <laughs> you already um, had it. <laughs> Where did the name come from? At first, I thought we were going to do like a German pilsner. So then I was thinking of like you know like <laughs> German like underground S and M scene, and then sure. um, we were talking, and and Zam was like, "No, it's going to be a Czech pilsner." I'm like, "All right, we'll just call it checks who wear leather." <laughs> like we, we have it. We have a stout called uh, Communist Poodles from Connecticut, and um, of course, so we had we were designing a beer and um, we're talking about a stout and I wanted to name it uh, communist poodles from Russia. And Zam was like, well, it's an American stout. I go, well, they make it from Connecticut. And then that was it. (laughs) (laughs) Why Connecticut? Why not? Uh, That's a good question. I don't know. know, They they 
they live in New Haven and you know they're they're just uh you know they they're they're they have a backstory. Yeah, Chris, backstory. Chris is from Boston, so I figured there was some kind of uh rivalry up there in the New England states. Some some Boston uh, New Haven rivalry that needs to It's interesting. Yeah. Zambo says that Chris was the one who made it a check style. Chris says Zambo was the one who made it a check style. So maybe it's just lost in between. Yeah, it's, it's all blurry so. now. If that was 50 <laughs> years ago. Yeah, right. yeah. <laughs> yeah, absolutely, man. <laughs> After a lot of uh, sampling, too. So, Oh, you got to do it. You got to do it. Um, all right, speaking of got to do it, I got to take a break. And then uh, I want to come back and we'll jump into two more beers and, uh, and then maybe even drink some. Who knows? <laughs> um, hang on just a sec, everybody. We'll be right back with Paperback Brewing uh, here on the session. Hold tight. You're listening to the Brewing Network. Because like beer... Radio shouldn't suck. All right, thanks for sticking around, everybody. We have Chris and Zambo with Paperback in Glendale, California. Beautiful, sunny Glendale, California, where nothing ever goes wrong. And everything is always perfect and nice. <laughs> um, Zambo, while I find some other beers... Uh, tell me about you, man. We uh, last spoke to you. You were at the 21st Amendment crafting some awesome beers. Where'd you go right. after that, man? Um, let's see. 21st Amendment was a great adventure right by the stadium and managed to get three Giants championships while there. So had a great time. Nice. Uh, had a, a brief stint at uh, Speakeasy, the former Speakeasy, before okay. the uh, ownership change. I was there for about a year. And then... Um, my wife and I, who were married at 21st Amendment, by the way, by Sully himself nice. uh, in the brew pub. He said, it's the first and last wedding I'll ever have there. Uh, we decided we wanted to be closer to the water. And with all the housing increases in the Bay Area, that just wasn't going to happen. So we moved to Santa Barbara for a few years. Oh, lovely. Um, yeah, it was fantastic. Worked for the uh, first brewery, oldest brewery founded in Santa Barbara, uh, Santa Barbara Brewing Company. Nice. who uh, I, I should say the ill-fated Santa Barbara Brewing Company because after the month size and fires, they uh, didn't pull through Ooh. after being open every day for 25 years. Yeah, it was it was an ugly, it was a big learning experience, but uh, man, what a beautiful town. And it's where my son Cooper was born. And, uh, you know, we just walked to the beach every day after, you know, I'm a, I'm a 5 a.m. brewer. So right after lunch, I'm home. We're out, we're heading to the beach, heading oh. to the zoo. Uh, so a few years there, and then uh, Cooper was getting older, and uh, we needed some more hands-on experience, and uh, our parents all live in L.A., and so we decided to make the move back here, but it was all a matter of finding the right match, the right people uh, to work with Yeah, um, that kind of had the same dreams of, as us, you know, had to be congruent. So uh, we took our time on that, uh, talked to a lot of different people, and, um, you know, we found our match. It's not like online dating. Uh, it was really just... Uh, sitting and talking to people, um, kind of learning more about yourself, about what you're really looking for. And interestingly enough, we landed here in Glendale, which is where my last non-brewing job was before I uh, started with my first brewery, which was BJ's. Oh, wow. Uh, back. So I, I was an LA brewer originally back in uh, 2005. Yeah, that's how old I am. <laughs> Good yeah. Lord, so, man. Uh, here we are. Yeah, in glorious Glendale. We're actually right next to the mall. So this is the season of don't go outside. <laughs> how hard was it to sort of you know pry yourself away from just walking to the beach every day i feel like that's just the 
California dream? It, it was difficult, but, uh, you know, there's different economies in LA and in San Francisco than there are in little beach towns. So, yeah. uh, we kind of had to take a realistic approach to it, but I mean, we're walkers. San Francisco turned us into walkers. Uh, mm. we had visitors that couldn't keep up with us because of the Hills. So <laughs> here we can walk to, uh, the zoo Griffith park, uh, you know, all kinds of hiking, beautiful views. Uh, and I can walk to work. That's, that's what I fell in love with that 21st amendment. I'm, I'm one mile from paperback. So that's occasionally cool. I walk. That's cool. You mentioned something about, you know, finding a brewery that has the right fit and the right, you know, whatever is at, at your level of brewing. Is it less of a, of a, of an interview and more of a, Hey, let's see if we are cohabitable. Yeah. Yeah. That's kind of why I mentioned the dating thing, but it really is about compatibility. Uh, Chris and Brandon uh, came up to Santa Barbara a few times. So I got to show my places that I hang out. You know, it's not like a job interview where you sit in a room across a desk and talk to each other about, where do you see yourself in five years? And Here's my resume. What, yeah. what, what did you say five years ago? Did you say you'd be here? No. <laughs> but uh, yeah, so we went and tried beers together. We tore them up. We love some of them, but not a lot of them. Uh, and um, you get to know each other's tastes. Uh, you talk about um, <laughs> what what you're working on, not where you're going to be in five years, but whether you're going to be employed in five months. And, uh, <laughs> uh, you know, Eventually, we got into timelines. It, it was maybe two months of conversations before we actually got into the uh, the nitty gritty of relocation and all that kind of stuff. Oh wow! So, um, mm -hmm. You know, these guys were so, a lot of fun, and the the lab, as they called it, the garage that they were brewing in. Uh, I had the privilege of helping relocate to uh, paperback, <laughs> and it was like a time capsule. <laughs> <laughs> Because yeah. we're digging into these corners and I'm like, have you guys been here in a while? No, 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 no. We don't go over there. <laughs> but, you know, like unhooking stuff that they hooked up eight years earlier and like, I think I remember how to do this. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, we got it all onto a U-Haul. There's a lot of good photos of that. I don't know if they're on our yeah, they're on Instagram, Instagram or anything like that. But That's uh, awesome. yeah, and then it all just kind of drove over and then we kind of thinned that out when we needed bigger tank space, but uh, we still have the key components of that original lab. It's kind of cool. That's neat. And it's still in use. It sounds like. Brown, yeah. Well, we use it today stuff. actually for this, uh, yeah. this holiday project that Chris uh, wanted to do. Nice. Okay. And tomorrow we're actually brewing communist poodles. So it's funny you brought it up. <laughs> I mean, you don't brew a stout every week. Let's no, I wish, I wish you could though. I don't know. Just yeah. Something about market and what it will bear. I don't know. I, I, yeah. I don't pay attention. I know. Yeah, there's always some guy who comes and go, Oh, you got a stout, but no Porter. <laughs> yeah. Hey asshole. 1996 call. They want you back. <laughs> but that's, that would be also me. I would just think it though. I wouldn't say it. Um, so I'm going to get into a beer here. This one is called under pressure tales uh, from yeah. down the river. What can you tell me about this? And so I'll under pressure was actually really fun. Um, this is, you know, all beers go through an evolution for a brewer. And uh, I won't say that any of our beers are a, a copy of any brew I made before, but this particular pale ale uh, is near and dear to my heart. When the guys just kind of gave me full freedom on, they just do an American pale ale to trust you. I mean, how bad could it be? <laughs> uh, <laughs> this one is uh, an evolution of a beer I did in San Francisco called five South pale ale that was dedicated to the spirit of migration. It was the very first beer I brewed on my very first day at 21st amendment. And, um, it had classic sea hops 
And it was very it was popular. It was brewed by brewers after I left there as well. And um, I wanted to do some iteration of that, but not try to claim that it's that beer. So right. um, in homage, I, I did mimic the San Francisco water profile for that beer because I was trying to get that flavor back. And we have that privilege because, as Chris mentioned, we're 100% RO water. So mm-hmm. that was kind of cool to create the Hetch Hetchy water. And then, uh, you know, we modernized it a little bit. There's some Simcoe in there, classic uh, Vinny favorite. <laughs> uh, and, um, you know, Southern California did a little, beers are a little bit drier up north, or they were actually when I was up there. I don't know how they are now, but um, this allows some really. of the malt still to come through as well. And it's just got all kinds of beautiful aromas coming through. Yeah, it's um, there's a lot going on in there, man. I'm trying to get... Yeah. <clears throat> Trying to get the uh, aroma, a little stuff. Centennial, so. some Simcoe, a um, little bit of Chinook. Some someone might call it an old-fashioned beer if I, you know, if that was the only description you got, and that's why I mentioned that uh, it is a redesign. It is, uh, you know, the evolution of something I did in the past. But this is more what people in whatever year this is would like to drink. <laughs> yeah, it is very uh, a little old schooly, I think, because it is sort of. Uh, you know, has some crystal malt flavors going on. Um, but I like that personally. I like you that malt coming through a little bit toasty, but not, not too much. Uh, but there's a ton of hops and it's it, the, the bitterness drives it up. That's the modernization. I think um, if I was tasting this, it'd be like, Oh, this, this definitely sort of takes the best of both worlds a little bit too. Cause I, what I don't like is a pale that's just like one dimensional, in the malt, you know, it's like, yeah. cause like West coast IPA, it's kind of got there for a little bit where it's like, it's just, here it is. Sure. You barely even taste the malt and it's just all about the hops when we were still trying to figure out what that style meant, I think. Um, yeah. but pale ale sort of got that way too. And I, I like this more, um, more malt roundness in the mouth feel. Yeah. I think it is kind of uh, my go-to when I know I'm actually driving and not walking from work, but uh, (laughs) I think uh, everyone got excited about all the newer tropical hops that were grown in America, kind of as a response to the tropical hops coming out of Australia and New Zealand. Mm -hmm. And those ended up in IPAs and paleos and everything else. And um, to some people uh, like classic cascade, for example, almost got like a bad name. You know, it's one of the most, grown hops by hop growers and there's a reason for that it has a beautiful aroma it has awesome oils in it and so uh you know i think sometimes it's nice to celebrate the citrus notes that kind of created the american pale ale which created the american ipa and uh you know you know the simcoe adds a little bit of tropical touch but Mm -hmm. still uh, it's it's a celebration of the classic pale ale and uh you know in the southern california way yeah, and it's that hop flavor that is sort of intriguing because you do have a little bit of that tropicalness, but there is some of that old school, some earthy characters to it, and it is very. Um, it it sort of makes you makes you think, doesn't it? Yeah. <laughs> it's like a fortune it cookie. Yeah, right. <laughs> but it is it is like if you you know if you sat down like a lot of beer geeks like to do and and wanted to analyze this beer, you could really go you could really go to town on it because it is it is there's a complex aroma for a pale ale. You don't really expect that. Yeah, we like we go over the top on late editions and dry hopping. Um, again, kudos to Chris and Brandon for letting me blow their money on that. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> the aromas uh, are very important to us in all of our beers, um, even 
It needs a warm up. Even our uh, American light lager that we make, Backyard Crusher, has a pre-prohibition style to it that adds some of the grainy, um, you know, grainy Pilsner malt notes to it, six row uh, malt. And, uh, you know, don't threaten me with about hops, but yes, there should be complexity in the aroma just as in the flavor. And, you know, balance, I, I was told by a salesperson once that balance is a conservative word and i'm like well you know i i understand that i know we want to be we want to take chances and stuff but in the end balance is what allows all the flavors to come together so i don't consider it a bad word i think um you can push balance to any edge of the envelope but there should always be some harmony between all of the flavors and aromas that you're experiencing uh yeah for sure i agree and you know if he's trying to say like all the beer should be you know, one dimensional or one for like hop forward or, you know, malt or whatever. I think you can, you can still have one or two of those in a profile, but for the most part, this is what makes beer enjoyable. There's a lot of flavors and how they interplay with one another. Mm -hmm, I mean, that's how we sold craft beer in the nineties anyways. Right. (laughs) It's like (laughs) this has more flavor than a Budweiser. And, And if you cover up those flavors by, by picking one to, to shoot for, then it's just sort of like, then what are we doing? I say we like I'm, you know, like I have a brewery or whatever. Um, what's the malt bill on this, <laughs> Zamba? What's the malt on here? Uh, well, you hit the nail on the head. There's some English crystal malt in there. Yeah, uh, hell yeah. Not a ton, no, just a little bit. Uh, you'll notice the color is not as deep as uh, your classic Sierra Nevada. Uh, it's enough to kind of give a, a dance floor for the, the hops to shine through. It's um, just actually like a hair shadier, or hair darker than um, your pills. Yeah. Yeah. We made it pretty light. Uh, you know, there, there are ways to get melanoidins and crystal malt flavors in there without, uh, changing the color too much. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, without getting to the specifics, uh, like a lot of the early pale ales, they're like, well, I could use 10 pounds of C60 or, uh, uh, 20 pounds of C30. And I'd be like, okay, then use the 20 pounds of C30 because the C60 I mean, while those balance out in color, the C60 gives you a much more uh, caramel forward note that will be noticeable in something as light as a pale ale. You know, uh, granted, I'm pretty sure C60 is what Sierra Nevada uses, but they use, you know, a small percentage of it. And, you yeah. know, I, I bring them up because I was the home brewer for 13 years before I was even professional. I started as a teenager. So Sierra Nevada was the quintessential pale ale back then. Yeah. It was the one we could get. I was in Georgia for crying out loud. Oh man. Uh, so it, it's what it was. And it was just classic sea hops and, you know, light C60 kind of caramely uh, pale ale. Ken had a thing for C's man. Just anything. There's yeah. a C in the ingredient, put it in my fucking beer right now. Well, yeah. And I, you know, I laugh when you bring it up because it is sort of, that's the default example of pale ale, not only what pale ale was, but what it, it can actually still be. I mean, it's, they haven't really changed. So we have all these iterations of pale ale where they, they run the gamut of, you know, flavor contributions from the malt and the hops and too bitter, not bitter enough. And, you know, really roasty and not, ro- but pale ale sort of just been, Sierra Nevada pale is just what it is. And it people is, come back know, to it over and Until over. I actually visited Chico, I never knew that their draft and their uh, package product are two different beers. Right. Yes. Different alcohol levels. Yeah. It's wild so, to me, man. Yeah. I like this beer, man. How is, uh, is, is, if you had to put a style to Glendale, what do people down there drink more than anything? Is it an IPA town or is it sort of a mixed bag? 
I'd say. Um, oh, sorry. Go ahead, Chris. No, go ahead. Go ahead, Samuel. I mean, I think uh, people who go to a craft brewery generally are going to taste hops uh, the, in general. Mm -hmm. uh, if they bring a friend who's not a beer drinker, that's why we have all the other options, including <laughs> our more fun, newer stuff. Uh, well, you know, that's a fair point. I've never. Yeah, I love asking these questions because I generally get different answers. And that's a pretty okay. good one. Have you ever gone to a craft brewery and not tried their IPA? Yeah, well, yes, but I'm the unicorn who like I don't drink IPAs, oh. so I go like I don't really. I'm, I would be like, what's where's the porter? Do you have a porter? Or like the <laughs> seltzers? <laughs> You're that old English guy. <laughs> yes. Speaking of English, yeah. If, if you had a mild, that's all. I would just be sipping on that, like a nice on a bottle. But um, but I know what you mean. Where it is very much like um. You're going there, and an IPA is sort of the, uh, you know, the display, the mannequin in the window of the department store or whatever. Like this is what we offer. <laughs> this is the example yeah. of the IPA, and then anything else you can find, we have all that shit too. But this is this is what we do right here. So we try to have a really good spread. Um, it did start off, and we kind of realized it as as we were rolling that all of our beers were very light in color and kind of getting similar. And then they finally asked me to do what I love to do was a red and we have Satan wears pajamas is our red and it, it came out fantastic. Uh, and we've got a couple other tricks up our sleeve, but, uh, along with, uh, a classic IPA, we do hazies, our double hazy, which you're going to taste soon. Mm -hmm. And then the milkshake IPAs, which just like came out of nowhere. And, you know, it's a stretch of the word IPA, but it is a celebration of hops in harmony with other fruits and different flavors. So, uh, We've done is three, four of those now, Chris. Something like uh, that. Yeah, uh, we just you just, just did the fourth four. one. Okay. Yeah. yeah. So uh, you know, we like to if people walk to as far as your question was, what do people in Glendale drink? Um, there's only three places to go for craft beer, really, <laughs> and we're one of them. All the right. other one's just up the street, Glendale Tap, um, and right. then there's one on the other side of town, but. Uh, you know, the, there's a baseball crowd somewhat. We're not far from Dodger Stadium. And, of course, most of them are drinking the light beers. And yep. our blonde uh, ale is just – it's our bestseller there. It's a killer. Nice. Uh, and we, since then, have created a couple of lighter lagers, and we have a Kolsch, too. And so the sports fans all love those kind of beers because they can just keep drinking them as they eat whatever the food truck has brought Yeah, and, and still be fine. Um, Absolutely. But then – I got to tell you, when the sales guys come back from a trip and they're like, someone keeps asking, when are you going to make such and such again? And then when do you make such and such? And I look at them all and I listen, I'm like, those are all the 10% alcohol beers. We're still going to ask for that. When are you going to get me hammered again, man? Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, a little bit for everybody, okay. I think. That's good, man. Our, our funnest uh, hammer that people keep asking about uh, was a collaboration with um, Common Space called Magic Mindbender. Ooh. And it had coconut in it. It was a coconut imperial IPA at 10% alcohol. Um, huh. If you're not familiar, Common Space's brewmaster is Kushal, uh, who was from Speakeasy right okay. before me. Nice. Yeah, so he's the brewer at Kushal Hall. And um, we have been friends ever since. We've done a couple of collaborations. So it was really fun to move down here and uh, invite him up to do this collaboration that everybody wants more of now. An we imperial IPA with coconut? Yeah. I don't um, know, man. I think you're broken somehow. That seems weird. Who would do that? 
How did it come out? A lot of people want more. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and they've uh, just invited us down to brew down there. So we'll be there uh, next week brewing a, a new collaboration. I, I don't want to let it out of the bag until Kushel's ready, but uh, yeah, for sure. We'll see that in about a month. That sounds cool, man. That sounds funky as hell. Uh, all right. What's next? Um, <clears throat> I'm, I guess I'm thinking tucked in by strangers, which is the West coast IPA. That's what I'm having. Okay. Well, let's do that. Tell me about <laughs> tucked in by strangers. Uh, every time I see this person in particular on the can right there, I laugh. <laughs> it's just like the person holding the teddy bear. And you know, for those of you not looking, actually you should look up all these can labels. They're great. But you know, it's like the classic fifties. Like I'm a robber. I have a striped yeah. shirt on and a beanie and a mask. And I, it, it's great. It's perfect. Yeah. We had, um, that, that one has a newish label that some people thought that was a little creepy. So we, we pulled back <laughs> a little bit and, and the idea was that they're just, they're just, they just break in to tuck you in. They're not doing anything. They just want to make sure that you get a good night's sleep. That was I appreciate it's uncomfortable. That. Yeah. 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 What did you change on it? How'd you change it? Um, we made it more of like a buddy, like people had problems with the teddy bear. So we took the teddy bear out, but he pops up in a lot of our, uh, other comics and, uh, labels. There's a couple Easter eggs in Chris's labels that are really cool. If you, if you really get into his art, you'll see, uh, some tie-ins It's kind of fun with other labels you guys have done. Correct. Yeah. Nice. I like that. That's good. Yeah. I, I wouldn't have a problem with it. I think it's great. <laughs> I think it's pretty funny. Especially because the kid is freaked out as hell. <laughs> nice haircut. So uh, this is a single hop beer, um, oh, which okay. I, I've had a lot of terrible single hop beers in the day. Um, we did some pilot of this and then just nailed it with this hop. Is you know, it, hop selection is key to do a single hop. Not every hop is designed for it, but we also use some Pilsner malt just to lighten up the malt base in this case and really let the hop shine through. But don't overbitter it so that you're really getting the flavor and aroma of the mosaic hop. Uh, we got a uh, gold medal for this at the California Craft Brewers Cup this year. Nice. Congrats, man. Yeah, th- this has a, a good sweetness level to it. But it's not like a residual sweetness. Uh, it doesn't feel like a, just like an unfermented sweetness. It's like a, like a malt sweetness or I, I almost want to say a hop sweetness. And I imagine that's just the magic that you're doing with the, with the hops and then the flavor additions. A little bit, yeah. Um, it, very high mash temperature to keep it from over-attenuating. Uh, when you use Pilsner malt and hardly any colored malts at all, yeah. um, the yeast just want to chew through the whole thing, and then all that's going to be left is, you know, that hot bitterness. So, uh, yeah, mash in very hot um, and just uh, low initial additions and huge late additions. Um, again, someone else is paying for it. <laughs> <laughs> I get the feeling that if you had your brewery, it would just be just one, one ingredient. <laughs> cascade. Yeah, that's right. Actually, I just sell hops. Uh, so yeah, uh, this is our go-to. We've, we've all really loved this. Um, we've done some other little modifications of it on the pilot system for fun, but we still end up back, uh, loving tucked in by strangers. Uh, oh, and if Chris didn't mention it, um, some of it's on its way to the Bay Area tomorrow. Oh, that's right. you guys are distributing it up here. Is that new? Yeah. So that starts uh, tomorrow. And uh, we're sending up um, four or five SKUs up there. Yes. And uh, we're just really excited to, you know, kind of branch out. We've been pretty much focusing on from Santa Barbara down to San Diego so far. And now we're kind of pushing up northward to 
get some of the beer out into San the hands of anything uh, with a saint associated with it, basically. <laughs> yeah, that's well, right. <laughs> Well, welcome. Uh, hopefully it goes well anywhere. So it's San Francisco Bay Area just in general. I know you can't, uh, I guess, technically say exactly where, but uh, ask for it, I guess, everybody. Yeah. Can you... Sa- Sacramento, Oakland, I believe. Sacramento, Oakland. A, That's a I big... think there's a find at our beer on our website. Is that right, Chris? Uh, not those places oh. yet. But oh, okay. If you're in LA, oh. you can. Nice. Yeah. <clears throat> I'm sure as we get our roots uh, entrenched up there, we'll get that updated. I like... I. I don't know. We've knocked Hamble. a few up there. We had some at City Beer, places that I used to go. They asked, look, we're yeah. going to drive one truck up. Where should we go? So, uh, yeah, there's a Give couple of places. my old stomping ground spots that it ended up at. Uh, okay. I excited to send a note to all my friends and say, go try it. Try it. Yeah, absolutely. I think that's great. I, uh, yeah, man. I mean, this beer is, uh, you know, from a non-really IPA guy, I I really like it. It's, it's, and I, I, I'm noticing a, a, a trend with your with your beers is that I'm, I'm having a hard time just describing them because they have a lot of layers to them. And I know that just seems like I'm blowing smoke up your ass, which I might be, but it's also true. Like, like to me, this beer is, it, it's very soft, uh, but obviously not in like a hazy IPA way. It's not harsh. Uh, there's some sweetness to it. You can taste the malt to it. It's not overly bitter, but the, the flavor hops, sort of carry everything. They merge really, really well with the, the malt flavors. And it's just a all in all a well-rounded IPA with some bitterness there at the end. It's not too aggressive. In fact, it might be even a little bit, uh, you know, restrained, I guess, because of that sweetness. And I really like it. And I don't like yeah. that about myself, that I'm starting to say that. And I don't, <laughs> it's just not something I really enjoy saying. But this beer is a very good, easy drinking IPA. So if you don't mind, we're going to use that whole sentence you just said on the back of our label next Please time. do. Yeah, watch your sales crater. Like, who said that? Whatever. Everything but restrained. We'll, we'll use the rest. Mm. Is that a bad word? Did I say a bad word? I don't know. Oh, okay. I think one of the things about Zambo that's great is that he has this ability to make low ABV, ABV beers nice yeah. and full, like you're drinking like a seven and a half, and then beers that are 11 – feel like you're drinking a seven and a half. So it's, it works both ways. We have a robot strip club, which is a 10 and a half percent hazy double. And it, it drinks like it's a 6.8. It's, it's nuts. <laughs> robot strip club. Yeah. For a second there, I thought you were like serious. Like you had like a robe because it's LA. Right. And I feel yeah. like maybe someone had a stretch limo with like fucking rope. I don't know. I have no idea. Yeah. Um, but it's a great oh, beer. Here's a video post. That's our somewhere. that's our next endeavor. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I felt like it would go really really well for some reason. Talk to Elon, get some automatons in there. Yeah, uh, yeah, good stuff, man. I like it. I like Thank it. You. Yeah, you're very welcome. Uh, let's take a quick break. We'll come back. We'll we'll open. Um, I guess we'll open the rest of the beer. Well, should we break now? I think I'm out of glasses. Is the problem. So let's break and we'll run through all the, the rest of the beers. I want to talk about that Blackberry Cobbler Sour Ale. Kind of excited about that. I want to talk about Satan Wears Pajamas because I love a red ale. Um, as you know, it's celebration season. So you got to love uh, hoppy red ales this time of year. You guys uh, good for one more break? Sure. All right. Well, you have no choice. Uh, all right, everybody. Hang on. It's the session. We'll be right back. Segmented. Demented. Fermented. Fermented. It's the session. Yeah! 
All right, everybody, thanks for sticking around. We are, uh, well, I'd say we're wrapping things up, but we're not. We're actually just opening a bunch more beers. Um, but we're hanging out with Paperback Brewing from Glendale, California. We have Chris and Zambo on the line. Um, what is next in the tasting order? Sometimes I feel like tasting order doesn't really matter too much. Um, it all is, you know, going to come out in the wash, but I want to be as, as nice as possible. Uh, well, how many do you have left? Do you have the red and you have the chills and thrills? Bro, I have five. I have six beers left, and I don't think we're going to get to all of them. Um, I have shotgun two of them, and then we'll do the other <laughs> yeah. four. And then we'll t- And if you don't, we're going to sit here in silence until you fucking do it. Um, That's have, a good one. You should pull that one out there, Bunny. Bunny with a chainsaw. Yeah, go for it. I got uh, thrills and chills. I got uh, one night with Nora, which is <laughs> great. Um, that's the blonde I mentioned. That's our, oh. our number one seller in the pub. But I think uh, you can save the Nora to have uh, to get the sour out okay. of your mouth later for your drive home or whatever. Hell yeah! Oh, this is my house. I would try the bunny while you can still taste it. Uh, I'm that is our uh, biggest uh, selling can actually. Okay, I'll do that. Um, I got uh, Death by Chocolate and Satan Wears Pajamas, and I had an extra t- uh, tucked in by strangers, and uh, maybe I'll give that to Sully. Who knows? Uh, so what do you think first? I would do the bunny. Bunny fur. Okay. All right. Gotta, gotta get your bunny on, bro. Let's do it. Here, I'm going to leave. I'm going to leave all these out because my cooler bag is too cold. All right. Bunny with a chainsaw. Here's a label on that. Can you guys tell me a little bit about bunny? Chris, bunny. You want to tell them about the label? Yeah, that one was just kind of, I had an idea for a bunny with a chainsaw. A bunny with a chainsaw running <laughs> through, you know, on a, on a pink label. And, um, just wanted a bright pink and Zambo started working on a, um, I don't even think you are indeed that, right. You just, you just, that was our first, uh, and only Imperial hazy until we started collaborating, uh, on other stuff. Yeah. And I think when you, when you, when you taste it, the pink on the label makes sense for me. It does. (laughs) Okay. Do are you a color taster? Do you taste in color sometimes? Yeah, sometimes I try to, I try to, I try to make the label match the, what I think the beer tastes like, Mm -hmm. you know, Um, I wouldn't do a bright yellow label for a stout, you know, but, um, but this one, I, I'll let you try it. I'll I'll give my kind of my, my thoughts on what it it. tastes like, but. smells great. It's very, uh, very, uh, almost berry, not very berry, but uh, very bright, almost kind of a berry pink. (laughs) Okay, yeah, I I mean, I get it, I guess. I get it. Like, are you a hazy drinker? <laughs> no. <clears throat> okay. I'm well, not, you're not an IPA drinker either. And you I'm like not an IPA drinker. drinker. No. And so this is what I this is my new thing now is whenever I have a hazy IPA on, I want I want you guys to tell me what you think about it. So Chris, you were going to tell me anyways, which is great. And it's perfect. You fell right into my trap. Then I don't have to pretend to know what I'm talking about. Because I do want to know, like I want to expand my vocabulary and learn it, but I just don't drink these except when I'm on the spot and having to work really hard at um, trying to find some non-stupid way to explain things to people who are smarter than me. So what were you going to say, Chris? What do you what do you taste when you drink this? I've said this to customers before in the tasting room. And aside from like, oh, this hop has stone fruit or this is tropical, I think, and it works, there's there's definitely some fruity notes to it, but I, I get like a bubble gum and a mint together on it Okay. for me personally. And I, and I've always, and I tell people, I know it sounds disgusting, but, but try it. It's, 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 it's amazing. Zambo, what do you think? Do you, do you rely on Chris for tasting notes? 
Absolutely. Uh, well, Chris <laughs> Brandon and I actually collaborated on all the original beers and we piloted a lot of them. Um, I pushed the main hop in this uh, and I, I'm, I'm proud of myself. I'm going to say uh, that this is the right hop for it. Uh, the mintiness is a light phenol that you get from the yeast we use. Um, I get kind of a strawberry bubble yum note from it. And, you know, if I just describe that to a beer drinker, they'd be like, oh, no, no. Oh, no, that's that's not what I want. So that's why it's better to <laughs> taste it before you hear um, people's descriptions of it. It's it's uh, like a... I, I will say uh, when the haze, haze craze started, I was in Santa Barbara and I did not like any of them out there. And I had a I found it to be a hard stretch to even call it an IPA. Yes. Uh, Brandon and Chris were very much into the hazies that I wasn't. I think eventually they're going to get sick of them too. <laughs> everyone, everyone goes through a process, but um, I did push for a little bit more hot presence than was uh, common in the ones that are out and still some of the ones that are out. So I get a little bit of hot bitterness and flavor out of this that I don't get out of a lot of the hazies that are out there. But again, it is really celebrating the aromas of that hop. And uh, I think you nailed it when you said Barry and Chris with the the bubble gum. Oh, um, yeah. You know, I think those are all pleasant notes when in harmony with it. still something that tastes like beer. You, you know, know if, it's not a wine cooler. Uh, it's, no. it's a beer. Yeah. And, you know, it's got you brought up so many good points and I, I appreciate that. Number one. Yeah. The strawberry like bubble yum, bubble gum. I get. But if you it's like. If you take the essence out of, if you take the essence of that gum and not like the over sweetness, because yeah. when you talk about the gum, exactly. those like bubble yum, it's like, I'll just think of it as like, I'm eating sugar. And then there's like a little bit of, you know, it's like the La Croix of like, you know, uh, gums. I don't know where I'm going with that, but uh, I'm drinking this, this is a dumb example. And, uh, but I don't care. I was drinking this tea and it was like a peach ginger tea or whatever, but it, it tastes like the, the, when you exhale, when you're eating a peach. Like that flavor is what I was getting. And that's what I get. But strawberry from this beer. Yep. Excellent. It's very, very roundabout way of describing shit, man. Brains are weird. It's better that you have them sitting out too, because drinking a beer like that uh, ice cold is not really going to do it justice. You're going to bring out more of just that mint flavor and those, uh, the sharper flavors rather than having the the whole harmonious blend of different flavors that are in this. There's uh, four different hops in this, uh, which some people is not a lot. Some people it's way too many, but I think, <laughs> you know, uh, what are you going to do, man? I think they work. Yeah. And I, you know, I agree with what you're saying about the, the hazy, like Warren and I were really teeing off on hazies for a long time when they first hit the scene because they're just, they're not IPAs. And, you know, as much as I don't drink them, I'm still sort of you know that home brewer in these like, well, this is the style and it doesn't meet the style. So what are we doing? Um, but they were chalky and they were weird, but now people sort of figured out how to do them. And yeah. and the the aromas that you can really bust out in these things are is just phenomenal. That's the, that's the new level. If we can just har, you know harvest that method and then put it into like you know a dark mild. <laughs> I don't know. Man. I don't know. You and your milds, dude. You gotta, I know. You got to get Eagle Rock on. Their flagship beer was a mild. I I've yeah, we've had them on a few times. Uh, Jeremy and Ting are my uh, my spirit animals as far as that. And then I was really disappointed when they stopped making Solidarity full time. I gave Lee a bunch of shit for that, but <laughs> um, yeah, good people, good beer too. But uh, yeah, this is this is great. This is very good. And they're yeah. just down the road from us, actually. They're uh, right off San Fernando, just like us. Uh, oh wow. Yeah. Okay. So Two miles. We're talking to them about a collaboration soon. Oh, you got to. 
Yeah. Yeah. You got to, man. Yeah. We used to go there all the time when we went down to like Disneyland, but we haven't gone anywhere for forever. It feels like. So next time. Yeah. Uh, we were friends before they opened. Uh, Jeremy was a Maltos Falcon as was I. Uh, oh yeah. Club, you know, mm-hmm. um, Drew and everybody. And Grossman, Sierra yep. Nevada there. Cause it's going full circle now. Yeah. 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 And Drew, of course, Drew Beecham. Uh, yeah. Um, uh, yeah. Uh, so I knew him cool. when he was getting started and, um, he just asked for some advice here and like, I'm honored to do anything I can to help another craft brewery start. And it's just been so much fun to watch their success and go visit them now, take my family who they never knew down there. And yeah. Yeah. Beautiful. Yeah. They're great. They're always a, a good stop. And next time uh, we ever get down that way, you guys are so close. We'll, we'll pop in to your place too. Sounds cool. Great. We'll get a van. The beers are great. <laughs> We have a van with a bunny tail on it. <laughs> of course you do. Like a, like a real, like a, like a, how big is the bunny tail? I, we don't actually have one. I've been looking okay. for it for a while though. It's on our list. Yeah. See tomorrow, uh, people are going to be writing in. They're gonna be like, oh, I want to see this, this van. And people are like, Zambo, you got me again. I have to, eh, whatever. Yeah, this is uh, this is great, man. It doesn't, uh, Chris, like what you were saying before the break. You know, Zambo sort of uh, doesn't really make you realize the alcohol percentage you're drinking. This is an eight point two percent beer. It doesn't taste like mm-hmm. it. I mean, there's not a whole lot of real. Well, I mean, yeah. I guess if I think about it, there's warming, but it could just be my phlegm. I don't know. Um, it it takes allergies. patience and fermentation, uh, proper yeast pitching, and all those kind of things to keep those higher alcohols from forming, so you don't get the heat. Um, a decent amount of residual sugar and balance of flavors. We're just going to go in circles about this, but uh, you know, that's kind of how I got my reputation for getting people drunk because <laughs> my beer tastes that strong. I think you, I think you hit it on the head, man. The residual sugar content has to be dialed in. Yeah. That's the sweetness because that has to carry through and help with help hide the bitterness of some of these hops. I mean, you're just going to get bitterness in general. I'm, I'm guessing I'm, I'm, I'm saying like it's fact, but I don't really know because I've never made one, but that's sort of like the common thread of the good ones that I've had is that there is that sweetness to carry through. I mean, it's the soft water and, and all that kind of bio transformation, but I think the level of sweetness does play a lot with that. Yeah. Yeah. It's nice. Uh, and also mineral, uh, again, back to our RO system, we're able to, yeah put a nice chloride content in these hazies and that helps kind of mellow out any sharp notes in the flavors and help everything blend together with all these hops you guys are using. How, how is the, um, the supply chain issues is it messing with you guys or are you able to w- sort of work around that? Uh, you know, the hop crisis back in uh, 2008 or nine, whenever that was, was yeah. a bigger problem than we're having now. Um, malt, and especially foreign ingredients have been a problem with the supply chain interruptions. Mm, Hops, okay. uh, you know, there a lot of breweries unfortunately didn't make it through this, uh, you know, last two years uh, and not many opened. We just happened to be one that opened right when it started. And luckily we didn't have like, you know, a hundred barrels of beer sitting in kegs and a hundred barrels in the tanks. And, it, it, you know, it's hard to say this, but it, if it had to happen, it happened at kind of the right time for us because it helped us focus our, our marketing and what we're putting out there and yeah. learn to see ourselves as what our consumers are going to see us as. And so we can give them something that they want that we still want to drink ourselves. 
to be fair. Right. Uh, but uh, the hops itself, uh, I think some hops that you couldn't even get before became available because some people had to give up their contracts and things like that because their production went down so much. Mm. So the hop effect hasn't happened yet. I'm sure it's coming soon because people are opening up fast and things like that. But I think malt prices went up a lot because they couldn't move as much around and the barley crops aren't coming in quite the way they wanted. But more importantly, if you were dependent on things from Germany, um, you know, it, it happens to be a beer country. If you haven't heard, uh, <laughs> yeah, uh, they had a lot of disruptions. So yeah, some of our German malts became Canadian briefly. <laughs> and, um, you know, that again is something, uh, where experience comes into play because you, you've been through this before for mm-hmm. one reason or another, and you get good at, um, reformulating you know, here and there. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I guess Chris, if you're going to hire a, an experienced brewer, now's the time. Yeah. This is what you, this is what you pay the money for is experience <laughs> right. like that. Um, all right. Satan wears pajamas, which briefly I looked out of the corner of my eye on my notes and I thought it said Santa wears pajamas. And I thought that's weird, but maybe <laughs> well, he, does he does too. Yeah. <laughs> maybe he does. Uh, Satan wears pajamas. Tell me about this red ale. Uh, okay. Uh, I can't do So that. this, does have some of that uh, mid-level crystal malt in it, as well as a good amount of Munich malt, which is uh, a, a melanoidin-rich malt that helps give you those nice flavors. But uh, I remember making a lot of good reds at 21st Amendment, and a lot of people say, oh, I don't drink reds. I, it's, it's not uh, my thing. They're too sweet. And that kind of hit the nail on the head for the night back to the nineties. You like to talk about the nineties a lot. <laughs> really, uh, I most love of it. the reds were very caramelly and very sweet. And they yeah. kind of thought they were mimicking like Irish reds, but um, they missed the mark a little bit. Uh, honestly, uh, a red is red in color and there should be some balanced, rich malt flavors, but you got to get the hops in there. You know, it, it, it shouldn't be sweet. You got to uh, balance it and, have just the right amount of bitterness and then again nice hop aromas and in this case we use some of those uh newer uh stone fruity kind of hops from uh the pacific northwest like azaka mm-hmm. you know these ones that you don't see their names a lot but they they really add these cool little um fruit notes to an already uh malty base without creating an actual sugary sweetness on your palate, you get these impressions of, you know, a nice balanced red beer. And I think the hop aromas are great on it too. It's really nice to be able to smell malt and hops at the same time. Yeah. It's sort of a throwback. People don't do, we don't do that anymore so much. (laughs) Well, they didn't hop them this much back in the day. Uh, True. You know, the hoppy red style was created uh, by the BA to help uh, basically people call them red IPAs when they were first experimenting with them. I don't know, 10, 15 years ago. And an IPA drinker didn't care for that terminology because they wanted an IPA, a lighter colored, you know, yeah. drier, crisp kind of thing. So I think calling it a hoppy red was really the, the right move. Uh, How times change though. Yeah. (laughs) I I mean, it's, it's a growth industry. You know, we we chip away a little bit at the big guys every year always. And you can tell based on all the breweries they acquire and how they're marketing themselves and hiding the fact that they're mass producers. But the bottom line is it means we're on the right track and we're the ones who are paying close attention on the production side, not just on the marketing side, which is what they do. So uh, yeah, we're, we're pretty happy with Satan wears pajamas. 
what kind of malts in here? I know you said the higher crystals, but can you give me what specifically? Because it is very rich in those red tones, those red crystal malts, but not overly sweet, if that makes sense. It's almost, I want to say like if you get, you know, sometimes you get like a crystal 120 and it's like almost smoky, but not really smoky. Yeah. It's like yeah. almost pushing that edge. And the C120 and the Special B, which is around uh, 110 in color, uh, similar crystal malts, those are great for this kind of beer, but just a little bit, just a little bit. Because if you overdo it with those, then that becomes the feature of that beer. And they just should yeah. be adding another layer of complexity. Mm-hmm. Um, to get a nice base for that red that those can dance in is where we use the Munich malts. And their colors down around seven. So not even in the same ballpark. You know, our base malt is at two. Munich malts are at seven, but have these rich melanoidin flavors that really help bring forward those expectations, uh, expected flavors from a red beer. And then you add uh, little bits of your higher crystals and maybe even a pinch or two, uh, spoiler alert, of chocolate malt, just a tiny Ah, bit. Okay. All right. To put just a controlled amount of roast in the the background, not anything forward enough to taste like, you know, a more Irish red. Mm-hmm. And then, of course, uh, you know, it doesn't have to finish too sweet and you want hop aromas in there as well. So big, late hop additions and it's dry hopped, which wasn't done traditionally with reds. So. <laughs> I like it. Yeah, that's a good that's a big hearty. I don't know. Is hearty a good word to use? I don't know. Wow, it's seven point one percent. What is wrong with you? <laughs> I mean, I thought maybe six five, you know, but wow, that's crazy. I love it. It does not taste like that at all. Chris, you want to tell them about the label? Tell me about the label, Chris. Satan wearing pajamas. <laughs> <laughs> a smoking you jacket, specifically. <laughs> a smoking jacket and a captain's hat. It's yeah. so, so much fun lot. when he describes these to me before I see the art. He says, we're going to go for like this Satan looking kind of like Hugh Hefner yeah. sitting comfortably in a chair with like a smoking jacket, you know, I'm like, okay, sounds great. Yeah. And two snow leopards. <laughs> and two snow leopards. Well, and then the, the bunny slippers look an awful lot like the bunny with uh there, bunny with a chainsaw. There you, go. you know, little, yeah. little, little illusions here and there. I love it. I think that's cool, man. Yeah. Good stuff. I like it. And how, how is the, the red stock as a style selling wise, popularity wise, are people sort of into it or is it, eh, we don't really know mid, mid, mid sales. I don't know why I ask yeah. these stupid questions. It's it's, it's seasonal. Um, okay. we definitely, I mean, it's it's popular to the extent that we do have a lot of requests for it. That it has been something that we've been kind of exploring as becoming a beer that's around a little bit more often. Oh, cool! It's becoming a core beer. I like that. And you know, nice. we love that. We love having some different styles. That we brewed so many IPAs during the quarantine. You know, um, during the pandemic, just because that's what was selling. So it was really hard for you know some of the beers, the German beers that I would like to see and that Brandon would like to see that we're not making, that we weren't making at that time. It's, it's nice to have a tasting room open that we can kind of bring those back and kind of celebrate those beers. So that's a, that's big for us. Yeah. love seeing that. Sounds like it. Uh, okay. I got two left. I got, uh, and we don't have to get to them all, but uh, we'll see. Um, chills and you thrills, man. <laughs> chills and thrills and blackberries. I'm more concerned about you guys. I'm already home, so I don't need to deal with it. Um, or chills and thrills and blackberries or death by chocolate. I guess chills and thrills first. Yeah, it's yeah. a tough call, but yeah, I go ahead and have the, uh, let's do that. Yeah. Chills and thrills. All right. Why not? Why not? 
it's real pureed uh, blackberries, a touch of boysenberry, which we don't uh, advertise. Oh, see, false advertising, dude. It says in blackberries, but not. It's not false advertising unless you claim something false. <laughs> well, it's true. I guess you're right. <laughs> blackberry. Uh, it is a kettle sour. Uh, we started a kettle sour program. Uh, our first one was uh, raspberry lemonade uh, that used lemons from my backyard. That's kind of cool. Um, That's cool. And it's, uh, it's not from my black backyard. Uh, yeah, it's uh, real pureed blackberries. Wow. Um, special malt selection to bring out the cobbler-like flavor, the the bready notes, biscuity notes. Yum. What malt? What malt selection, Zambo? Come on. Talk biscuit. to me. Talk to me, baby. <laughs> I said biscuity. I okay. can't make it too much more obvious. Okay. Uh, yeah. We also, if you've ever had a true like Belgian lambic, uh, like they don't, they wouldn't sell well in America. The first sour most people had here was Lindemann's Frambois, which is more of a yeah. wine cooler. It's kind of, I used to call that entry level sour, but it's barely even a sour now. Um, this is a true sour. Um, it's just, uh, done with just the right bacteria and just the right amount of souring that it won't deter the adventurous craft beer drinker. You know, uh, it's not the kind you're going to have at a sour and cheese festival, although <laughs> it, it could hold its own there, you know? Yeah. It's firm too. I mean, it's not, uh, you know, when you I don't need an antacid to, to drink it. Right. <laughs> yeah. I mean, blackberry cobbler sour ale. So why call it that? Is that what you were trying to go for? Like, Hey, let's just blackberry cobbler. This would be cool as a beer. That's what the team discussed, and okay. Uh, okay. you know they tasked me to mimic that flavor, and uh, I did my best. I think we're all pretty happy with it. Okay, and you know not for any reason, but I don't know. I just sort of like how hearing how these things come together because it is not necessarily something that I would automatically you know think about. They, no, they literally said blackberry cobbler. Uh, its predecessor mm-hmm. was is called strawberry shortcakes. <laughs> okay. You can imagine what dessert they wanted that to taste like. And yeah, I, I, I impressed myself. You know, I mean, <laughs> you got to do it, man. No well, one else like to make will. it difficult for him. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. I stay up all night thinking about this stuff. I go to the store. I get fat on store made desserts. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, this is really good, man. It it uh, you know you got the the kind of darker berry notes coming through and the aroma really well. Yeah, and some of that is th- these are the same aroma descriptors you'll get when you look at these hops on, on the web and stuff. And uh, there's no reason to fight it. Like just compliment it, whatever fruit flavor you're mm-hmm. going for, use the hops that also have that descriptor. You know, I had, mm-hmm. I remember someone saying once, and I don't remember exactly the beer, but I'll give you an example. I did an orange beer and it had orange peel and cascade hops. And they're like, well, how do you know what the orange came from? The hops of the orange peel. I'm like, I don't care. <laughs> I, I, I wanted some orange notes in there. And I got it. So, yeah, it's really just a, about compliment, sometimes contrast, but in this case, compliment. See, I think that's part of the the mystique of commercial brewing that home brewers don't really get part of the time. Maybe, Chris, you, you can you know what I'm talking about, where it's like, how do they how do they do the thing that they do? Mm-hmm. Just sometimes there's no mystery about it. Sometimes there's no formula. It just like you said, you just, well, I don't know. I don't really give a shit. It just, yeah, I remember that from my homebrewing days too, that you, you kind of want to be in control of everything. But when, when you really learn to do it right, you find out you're not the one in control. You're just offering up the cuisine to the yeast. 
The yeast is in control. So if you <laughs> right. feed them well, tell them what you want, nurture them. They will mm-hmm. give you blackberry cobbler. <laughs> <laughs> you said it's a, it's a kettle sour. How are you adding the, um, the bacteria for that? Uh, in the kettle? Yeah. But like you do like the, uh, what do you, uh, what? we get a proprietary, uh, lacto blend. Okay. And, um, we do, uh, generally a three day sour, depending on what we're working on, oh, okay. but it'll, we'll, we'll do a full mash, uh, and you want your acidity lower on the mash too. Like I said, our first one, we actually put lemons in the mash to acidify it, which was kind of cool. Hmm. Uh, and then, uh, you pitch it in and then I put big, black wrapping around every orifice of that kettle and signs that say, don't open this or the brewery will explode. <laughs> yeah. Brewers aren't big fans of bacteria in the brewery. I saw you had a, the rare barrel guys on, uh, or the other half, the clean half. Mm-hmm. Yeah. One of the things, but yeah, they point out the, the dangers in Vinny at Russian rivers. He had big orange tape on his sour kegs and they all had to stay behind an orange line and, <laughs> So yeah, separating sour from non-sour is critical, but the beauty of kettle sours is as long as you keep everything in the kettle, then you boil it before it comes out of there, you're still pretty safe. Okay. Got it. That's a good beer. So far. Yeah. Maybe maybe we'll have sour bunny with a chainsaw next year. We'll see. <laughs> you never know, man. <laughs> you never know, man. Making the new styles here. Yep, I like it, man. The 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 blackberry flavor comes through really nicely, but it's not overpowering. Like you said, the sour isn't really overpowering as well but it's firm. Um, good job. I like it a lot. Thank you. Yeah, and kudos beer. again to Chris for the imagery on the cans. Cause it really helps drive uh, people's expectations when it goes in their mouth. I like it. Yeah. If it's we call it a boysenberry cobbler stout, people might've still bought it, but uh, maybe it is real blackberries and uh, you know, the coloring on the cans. I, I just, I love the imagery. I think it really helps bring it home. Yeah. You know, in that, uh, Ombra or whatever the uh, the the uh, the the different colors sort of blending in together, yeah, those sort of kind of match, yeah, the color of the beer. So it came out great. Yeah, Chris would often ask me, "What color is the beer going to be?" I need this for the like. Well, how do I describe it? Yeah. Uh, is there a, is there an SRM to Pantone? but it's all about interpreting those too. So we yeah. used to try to come up with some common object. <laughs> yeah put it in a photoshop and switch it from pantone to srm and it works just fine yeah <laughs> nice oh um, you just came up with a good app <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> helping the creative sides of the world work together uh the last one i opened death by chocolate which is yes. a german chocolate cake imperial stout at 8.2 tell me about this beer please so that was uh, a lot of fun because First, we had a discussion like, do we need to do coconut in another beer? You know, we don't <laughs> want to be known for this, but it was just the right, right beer. They, they gave me the option, but they said German chocolate cake. So I, like I said, went to my <laughs> store, I got some German chocolate cake. I took two bites and gave the rest of the staff because I don't really eat dessert. I drink enough beer. That's my dessert. But uh, right, right. I liked the, the nuttiness combined with the coconut. Like that was a beautiful part of it. So this has pecan, coconut. And then cocoa nibs, uh, a good amount of cocoa nibs to really uh, bring out those chocolate flavors. Uh, so, yeah, it, it, it mm. tastes like German chocolate cake. Yeah. As far as I know, I've only had a few bites, but <laughs> I've had a, more than that in beer volume, I assure you. Yeah, you know, and with, with German chocolate cake or the German chocolate, it's that, you know, that, that high percentage cacao level that sort of has that, I guess it's tannin. I don't know. 
Um, and then nibs can kind of get that too. Cause it's, you know, whatever, but this, you have that translated over. And I think a lot of the times like pastry stouts like this, if this is a pastry stout, I don't even, I don't know. Um, if, if you weren't trying German chocolate cake, I, I would I'd be like, wow, that is kind of, you get that tannin thing, but it, you you replicated that sharp German chocolate, the dark chocolate flavor really well. I'm assuming with those nibs, I love using nibs and beers and I've, I've used them forever. Yeah, and thank great. You. Uh, I, I did read up on recipes. I, I yeah. love reading recipes before I cook and stuff. And they all said the common American uh, fallacy is to use milk chocolate because it is a much darker chocolate to use over there. So we did not put any lactose in this, which is nice to say, because a lot of uh, chocolate styles have lactose to give it that milk chocolatey flavor. So uh, there's none of that in there. Uh, it is just a, a a lot of really fresh uh, cocoa nibs. Yeah. And I don't think you want that sauce because that lactose will kind of round everything out. I don't think you want that. Mm-hmm. You want that no. sort of assertive chocolate flavor, the almost bitter chocolate flavor. Yeah, absolutely. That's and it's cool, imperial. Dude. So they finish uh, higher gravity anyway, a little sweeter on their own. So you really don't need the lactose to force that forward. Yeah. Well, and you have the, the, the tannin from the nibs and I'm, this is, I've, I've made it up in my mind. That's exactly what it is. So I'm just not going to, I'm not going to be persuaded. Okay, yeah, we'll go with that. But but it's you have that sort of doing some cleanup work on any residual sugars too, so it does taste like it finishes pretty dry. Yeah, uh, yeah, that's one of the things. If you're going to do an imperial, uh, you don't want it to be cloying, so you need to have some something to cut through the sweetness. It's either hot bitterness or it's tannins, you know. Yeah. I mean, or acidity. You know, yeah. There's a couple of different things that can do it, but in this case. Um, hopping is moderate, but it's definitely the tannins that help balance that, that sweetness. How long were the nibs in the, um, in the fermenter? Uh, they go in almost like dry hopping a couple of, uh, days at ferment temperature at the end of primary. And then, uh, while it's chilling. And so the idea is that at those warmer temperatures, there's more solubility and those flavors come out. And then as you chill it, uh, they kind of move around into the, and, and stay in the beer. And then somebody has to pull the <laughs> the nib socks out of there eventually after the thing's empty. I, I, Is it you or do you have an assistant? No, I gave my team a challenge on that one. There they said it, t- it took a little longer than expected, Zambo. There's going to be overtime. I'm like, okay. <laughs> At least it doesn't make us do it anymore. <laughs> that's right. We, we, did, we did grains out for a bit. That was. Uh... Oh, geez. God bless. No, that's, that's tough work, man. That's tough hard work. work. Yeah, you guys should just change jobs one day. Zambo should do the art for a can. Chris and Brandon should be brewing a beer. Be a lot of stick figures. <laughs> <laughs> Somehow I think it might work. I don't know. <laughs> you'd be, yeah. you'd, we, you'd get beer. another cream ale from us. <laughs> <laughs> I love a good cream ale, man. That's a All good right. style. Yeah, this is wow. The and the, the aroma is really great on this beer too. It's again, it's well rounded, man. You do these these flavors, uh, these aromatics that are that are well rounded and complex, and they sort of they ebb and flow, which I like too. It's not just yeah. like a one dimensional thing or whatever, which I think would be sort of easy to do. Like you said, Oh, put some lactose in it and, you know, add some chocolate extract or whatever. And then here, here's our thing. But yeah, and what's fun about those complexities is that it's going to, uh, different nuances are going to come out depending on what you're pairing it with. If you're having it with a, a rich meaty meal, you're going to get more of the sharper notes out of the beer. And if you're having it with cheese, you're going to get a lot of the sweeter chocolatey notes out of the beer. So that's, that's kind of fun. Yeah. And as it warms up, it's just, it's getting more chocolatey and less tanniny. 
This is a good beer. I, I, I really like this. Excellent. Yeah, it's great. We made that for you, actually. That was really? Yeah, that was dude? Only one can of it was made. So. I love that it. This is great. This is like a Patreon reward. I appreciate that, guys. <laughs> Thanks, man. I could see you have me on here, too. Yeah, I think that... I'm the handsome one. No, I'm the cat, I think, pretty much, is what I would be. I'd be the little cat. Uh, all right, boys. Well, we'll let you go, man. We, I ran through your beer, so uh, that's all we got to say. Where can everybody find out more about Paperback? Follow us on uh, Instagram, Paperback Brewing. Um, you can also check us out on our website, paperback.la. You can come visit us in Glendale, California. And, yeah, uh, come visit. Yeah. Yeah, it looks like a come cool space, hi. man. Yeah, I, I like the space. You got, a, you got a cool vibe going on. They put Thank so you. much time into that tasting room. It was gorgeous. You know, I, I'm focusing on the brewery, but I walk out every day and see them doing something else at the tasting room. And then we have the soft opening. And then everything shut down. Oh, everything shut yeah, down. Their faces. They're, and then it became stories. The bulldog faces. Like, oh. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds like a beer name to me. Yeah, uh, that's got to be a bummer, man. And I'm really glad that you that you guys made it through. And you, I mean, you had no choice, I would imagine, just to push through. And, you know, it's funny, Chris, because early on in, in the interview, you mentioned the word pivot. And, you know, when I was doing – I took over the shows uh, from Justin because – uh, you know, Justin, who's a normal host, he we have a he has a bar in Concord. He's mm-hmm. working on that, just like what you guys are doing, right? Trying to keep that afloat. So I'm like, okay, I'll do this show from my house until we can get together and everything mixed, you know. And then it's two years later, and I'm still here. But um, anyway, uh, I, I use the word pivot a lot mm-hmm. because that's what you had to do. So much people were making yeah. fun of me. So I'm yeah. I feel vindicated that you use the word pivot, and um, you know, so thank you. For, you gotta for do what you gotta out. do to stay yeah. alive, you know. And <laughs> yes, yeah, it's you either do. that or I go back to advertising, and no one wants that. No one wants that, man. It sounds stressful just, as hell, and then you don't get to look at Zambo every day. I know that those beautiful eyes, man. <laughs> <laughs> All right, we'll let you guys go. Thanks a lot, everybody, for tuning in. I really appreciate it. Thank you very much to our sponsor, More Beer, and uh, definitely if you're in the Glendale area or the LA area in general, it sounds like uh, all the way down through to San Diego, check out the Paperback Beer, and then if you're in the Bay Area, of course, uh, from Sacramento to Oakland, as the man said, check out and look and uh, ask around. Ask around for your local uh, good beer shop to to bring in some Paperback, because it's it's very good. All right, guys, until next time, this has been The Session. We'll see you later. My sky and winning the race. JP does great as his cherry.